There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to a Sniffer Nixon production. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny, where top comedians discuss health and well-being with Harley Street specialist and our host, Dr. Brian Kaplan. Today's guest is Neil Malarkey. So let's join them in the heart of Harley Street. I'm going to start off with talking about physical stuff, the body. Any interaction that you had with physical doctors or therapists or any physical therapists, physiotherapists, any physical stuff that you can would like to talk about where you felt funny or something funny happened? <laughs> well, I used to have irritable bowel syndrome. And I, this was in my final year. I was heading to my finals at university at Cambridge. And I went to see my doctor and they gave me Libraxin. They gave me various things that would loosen my muscles and so on and so forth. And at some point I went, it's really hurting. And the doctor said, go to Addenbrooke's now. And I was thrust, uh, well, I got a my car, thrust on the uh, table. And there was this leading surgeon, Mr. Hunter. And he had about 12 students with him. And they started to sort of, <laughs> I hadn't been able to pass a stool. So, Brian, I'm sure you can imagine what happens they need to get a stool sample, and so they have to resort to certain means. Mm-hmm. They did that, and my goodness, it was painful. With an audience you had there. Yes, an audience of 12 young people. Or even spectators. Spectators applauding, generously <laughs> taking notes. And they thought I had a spastic colon. Yes. Uh, and so I'd have to have some big operation, so on and so forth. So I'm lying there, semi-naked. Then they all go out, and at some point they come back and say, no, it wasn't really. You haven't got a spastic colon. Go home. So I went home with my tail between my legs in several senses and was then able to go around saying, I've got irritable bowel syndrome, which, as you know, Brian, syndrome means we don't know what it is. We don't know what causes it. We don't even agree on the symptoms and we don't know how to solve it. How to heal it. Totally. We've got no we've got no clue. So I went through various things. So I uh, went to an experimental doctor uh, still in the in the mainstream. But he said, try peppermint oil. <clears throat> so I didn't know if I was really having peppermint oil or placebo, but I had to keep a diary of my bowel movements. Uh, I don't think I still have it, much as I'm sure you'd like to pour over it and work out what's going on and where. <laughs> but they didn't solve it. And in the end, somebody uh, that you recommended me to, actually, a colonic hydrotherapist, said, oh, try avoiding wheat. And that seemed to help a bit, uh, as well as his machinations also. So that's been my experience of regular medicine tried lots of things for this thing which is somewhere outside their knowledge 
But then I thought about doing a radio show. My journey, which I've now telescoped, really, my journey to cure my bowels. So I was putting a radio proposal together. And so I wrote to Mr. Hunter of Addenbrooke's. The same uh, The same guy. Because yeah. the, the York Nutritional Laboratory, which you take a, a sample of your uh, urine, no, actually blood sample, a blood sample, send it off. And they came back. And uh, this is my, my colonic hydrotherapist sent it off to them. He said, I think maybe wheat, maybe dairy. They came back and said, avoid wheat and dairy um, and some vegetables. And then Mr. Hunter wrote back and said, here's my latest thinking. This is where we did uh, a study, classic medicine science, which is you had a control group and you had uh, another group who had IBS and you could introduce certain things day by day. And we work out from that what seems to be causing the problem. Number one, wheat. Number two, dairy. So uh, various people told me, including I, I, I have also gone to see a very curious fellow with a ponytail uh, somewhere in the west of London near Heathrow who does things like shiatsu where he doesn't actually touch you, he just touches your aura. Yes. And he does a homeopathic thing, I don't know, reflexology where you hold a homeopathic sample of it in your right hand and he tries to push down your left hand. Yes, applied kinesiology it's uh, called. Well, exactly, thank goodness you're here. Applied <laughs> kinesiology. So he could push my arm down yeah. on something to which I yeah. was intolerant. And he said wheat, dairy and onion family, which includes garlic and chives. And uh, Mr. Hunter's list also included onion family. So the bo both ends of the spectrum, shall we say, of the therapeutic community came up with similar ideas. So I've avoided those things for a while. But avoiding onion and garlic, Brian, as you know, is a mm. marvellous cook. Quite hard. Mm. Virtually every dish we have in this society has onion. Thank God you don't live in France. It's yes. Even worse there. But there, there, is, there are some cultures that don't use onion or, mm -hmm. or garlic. In fact, I think uh, that uh, some, some communities would avoid coffee, wine and other stimulants mm. such as onion and garlic. Mm. And uh, so I would often go to those sort of places. It was a Harry Krishna restaurant <laughs> in Soho Square where I found myself very relaxed Great. and comfortable. Great. So this has been the story of my pals. Is that <laughs> yeah, enough information? No, no, no. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated what you said about syndrome. I've long thought of that. They, they, it sounds very, you know, official, the diagnosis when it says syndrome. But a syndrome is exactly, as you say, a sort of not even specific set of symptoms which there's no real explanation, no scientific explanation, but they somehow appear so they've given this word syndrome yeah they can't That's just right. say here's a bunch of things we don't really know what causes mm. it because my dad would say he, he's seen a thing on the telly or the paper this guy with irritable bowel syndrome and this poor fellow had to go to the toilet 15 times in the morning all i had was a bit of wind really quite painful but not really life-threatening or uh, life-affecting it's interesting that in psychological spheres when they try to create syndromes instead of say for example in the latest uh, Diagnostics and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, Volume 5, I think it is, or Edition 5. There are more syndromes. There's sort of syndrome of explosive rage on the road syndrome. So now it becomes a disease rather than just some sort of wild thug in a car, basically. So it's <laughs> given a name. You know, if you well, get out of your car and you threaten people with weapons, then you're suffering from explosive rage syndrome. So it's all right. Yeah. Or it's, right. it medicalizes. Yes. What does that mean? Because um, people find, 
used to find when I avoided certain foods a bit odd. It was, well, why would you do that? And then others, you say, well, you, I've got children now, so they have a play date. Who, somebody who can't have eggs, so they, uh, they come with an EpiPen. And yes. I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified. This child, is there an egg in the house? And when the parents say, don't worry, only if it's in a terrible emergency and my child can't breathe, yeah. then use it. And, and, uh, <laughs> and even if you'd like, we'll send you our spare EpiPen to have a, a trial with the day before. You put the EpiPen into an orange, squeeze it. How does it feel? All oh, right, okay. So you're just terrified about these children. And one time <laughs> at my son's party, uh, laser tag they're all trying to kill each other with laser oh, things yeah, yeah. and uh, we've been told this boy he, he can't have gluten he can't have this he can't have that so he's given this gluten-free pasta everyone else is happily tucking into pizza and he says I don't want that I want the pizza so I'm not gluten-free at all so the child uh, hasn't read the manual that the parents have provided to us so that often happens or, or some child says, I don't like party food <laughs> yeah, what do you want then salad so it, I've, I've entered a whole new world now with my children's uh, friends eating issues <laughs> I wonder how children survive before these uh, new rules I don't know well th- this is a question is before we name these diseases or syndromes did they exist yeah well that's true there probably there probably is some explanation but who knows what the interconnective tissue is in these in these things hi there sorry I know I'm definitely not as interesting but just two seconds of your time we're the company that make this show, Snipper Nixon. We do podcasts, we develop scripts, and much more. If you want to know more about us, find us at snippernixon.com. Oh, oh, and if you are enjoying the show, please comment, tell a friend, subscribe, or send a carrier pigeon. We'll be back after these messages. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, back to Harley Street with Dr. Brian Kaplan and Neil Malarkey. Anyway, let's move on to 
psychological stuff now. Now, normally at this point when I'm talking to comedians, I say to them, have you ever come into contact with any coaches or psychotherapists or hypnotists or anything? But I won't say that to you because you're very special in this regard. You're the one comedian on this series who's actually met my teacher, the founder of Provocative Therapy. So I hope you don't mind me saying that. And would you be happy to talk a little bit about that? I'd happily talk about it because he is my hero, as perhaps he is yours. Frank Farrelly, you played him to me. You had a cassette where I think he was interviewing you. It's called Provocative Therapy. And I may say it not as well as as you might, but he tries to satirise our self-limiting beliefs to help us laugh our way out of perhaps a a mental health issue or a stumbling block, should we say. And I heard him, I thought, this is great because he's using improv humour, the same techniques that I would use, which is you listen to what the other person says and try and feed off that, try and explicitly notice what they're saying, play it back, reflect it. And I thought, this is great. I have to go and meet this man. And I did. I went to meet him. And it was one of these things where I faxed him Remember fax machines? Yes. yes. You're old enough. So I faxed him. Five minutes later, he rang me up. Hi, it's Frank Farrelly here. I said, oh, right. Well, he said, you want to come to my house? Great. Okay. I said, well, you, you don't know who I am. I'll stay in a motel. No, it's okay. You stay at my house. Well, you, I, could be, I could be a killer, a murderer. So it's okay. I have, a call, I have three cold 45s. Yeah. <laughs> he did. behind he, a glass he, cabinet. He had at least <laughs> 10 guns. Um, and he's, I said, I'm a friend of Brian Kaplan. He said, well, in that case, you're, you're okay. So I, I flew out there for a sort of long weekend. And coming out of Madison Airport, people are trailing off. And I'm looking for this man. And, and I sort of think, oh, no, he's forgotten me. And then I look over, there's this guy that looks like Father Christmas wearing green and yellow, which is the Green Bay Packers yeah. uniform. And he's thinking, who is this schmuck? That, <laughs> so neither of us has quite lived up to the the title what we might have had so he takes me back to his house and he puts me in the garage where some of the guns are or the basement i should say where they are and he's completely not like you might expect because he's somebody who's come from the world of counseling and carl rogers client-centered counseling and he studied at the catholic university of washington dc which is apparently very freudian or was in those days psychoanalytic and he went to the state mental hospital Mendota, I think it was called. Yeah, Mendota State Institute. Yeah, which I actually drove past just Mm. so I could write an article. Uh, So he's working there. He's working with very severe cases. Uh, Rapists, people who are in comas or or, or just not talking to any, very comatose. And he's doing all his client-centred counselling. Carl Rogers, try and put yourself in the shoes of the other person. Uh Aha, yes, I see. And then one Friday afternoon he said, I think he said it was his 91st interview with this person. And the guy says, I, I'm ill, I'll never get out of here. And, Car- and um, Frank said, oh, shut up. <laughs> You'll never get out of here. You're right. Yeah, I don't know what I, why I bother. And the guy said, I will get out of here. And suddenly he, he, he sat up. And, of course, we know the body and the mind are not separated. So that physical asserting himself meant Frank was thinking, crikey, there's something more here. And in, in Freudian terms, in psychoanalysis, you're not supposed to say anything. You're not supposed to interrupt. You're not supposed to judge. And Frank just tried stuff out. So teasing people back to mental health is how he would describe it. So I was delighted to meet him and then went to see him do some sessions in the Netherlands and spend this weekend with him where you discovered uh, that although he was a bit new agey in some respects, he was somebody who had guns and watching the Oscars. He said completely inappropriate things about women wearing revealing dresses and so forth 
And uh, he he was an inspiration because he's he was quite self-aware. He, he teased himself, and that's what he thinks his in- intervention is. His book is called Provocative Therapy, co-written by Jeff Bransmar, but it doesn't capture quite all the magic of it. But there's there are so many ways that you can um, provoke a reaction, and not provoke to fight, but to provoke on behalf of the voice, to help the patient, the client, bring out their own voice. And his thesis was, you have the answer within you. And how can I bring it out? By teasing you. So somebody says, I I smoke too much, I want to give up. And you go, oh, no, you'll never give up. There's no way, you should be smoking more cigarettes. (laughs) Or, yeah, you're, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know how you'll ever give up. Look at you, You, you've got nothing going on in your life. Your mother hated you, you've got no friends. All of which you tease the person, say, well, actually, there's only one person can give up cigarettes. It's me. It's not my mother. It's not my friends. It's not the world. And so it puts the responsibility back with the, the, the client. And so do I really want to give up cigarettes? What's so comfortable about having cigarettes? Maybe I don't really want to. Maybe I'm just comfortable saying, oh, poor me, I, I can't give up. So I'm saying the, those in quite a lighthearted way. But he did actually t- have moments with patients who were thinking of committing suicide. And he trod a, a tricky line one time this guy said I, i'm going to commit suicide and frank said okay right and started writing so which day friday friday okay so friday because um who's gonna have your car <laughs> uh i could have that good night and um because you do smoke don't you because i smoke uh could i have you got the cigarettes on you now uh, any spare check maybe i could have those yeah. and it's kind of confronting this guy with the reality of taking his own life quite a risky endeavor uh, nevertheless, Frank would say that you always do it with a twinkle in your eye. He would say with and op- affection in the heart, open Golden heart chakra, mm. open heart chakra. He would say, which is not, a, uh, I imagine, in Gray's Anatomy, <laughs> but it's with a warmth, yes. a, a twinkle in the eye. And he would. Somebody said, "How can I? How can I be a good provocative therapist?" And Frank said, "Be born Irish." Which is because of the stereotype of Irish people who laugh, who do stories, who tease, don't take anything too seriously. He saw himself as a bit Irish, even though he was as American as apple pie. Wouldn't, Irish people wouldn't recognize him. Well, Farrelly's sort of Irish, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. He, a lot of Americans would say that. And I'm, of course, with the name Malarkey, I'm clearly Irish. The way I sound is very Irish. Thank you for an exquisite um, description of provocative therapy. I mean, in that description and lovely biography of Frank, you outlined a couple of major tools of provocative therapy. Typically, there is no solution to your problem. Once you agree with a client saying to you, there's no solution to my problem, I've finished, the last thing they want to hear is you agree with it. If you agree with it, they seem to come back at you with something else. The other one was um, stopping smoking is do more of the same, smoke more, drink more, etc. People somehow, when you say that, to them don't want to do it but it all has to be done with a lot of love as you said let's go back to this open-heartedness because what i'm thinking is you know if we look at orthodox models as you said psychoanalytic where frank was first at the catholic seminary was or the analytic models what i wonder is how have people helped each other for thousands of years and i'm thinking it's more likely the way you're talking about laughing chatting jokes and my feeling is that if you face a painful subject and you laugh at the same time, the laughter acts as a sort of balm or medicine for you to be able to face inner, more hurtful things without being explicit about those things. Yes, there are lots of companies I've found that have a well-being audit 
Are you eating enough fruit and veg? Mm. Are you not sitting for too long? Because sitting, of course, is the new smoking. <laughs> uh, we have to be much careful with our posture, so lighten your posture. But also, there's not enough laughter. Actually, uh, sometimes you find the laughter is round the corner. Yeah. They're laughing at the business, or they're yeah. laughing at their boss. Yeah. Uh, and people mistake, as they do with provocative therapy, laughter for being about bullying sometimes. It's yeah. you're laughing at somebody, yes. whereas you want to laugh with somebody. And when you can laugh at a problem, you, um, you see it in perspective. Stephen Colbert said, yes. you can never laugh and be frightened at the same time. Yes. And so once you laugh at it, something somehow seems in perspective. And I found some research that said that the children, the stories we tell our children affect their mental well-being. So the stories are, the story could be, a bad thing happened to me, therefore the world is bad. And tell the same facts, which is a bad thing happened to me. I got over it, and look, I'm still okay. Mm. So you give a sort of inspiring message, which is bad things happens, failures, ups and downs, and there are ups to be looked for. And we learn from our stories. So laughter, I think, is not to be uh, in any way deemed to be frivolous. In fact, George Bernard Shaw said that. Um, a serious thing doesn't become any less serious because we laugh at it in the same way that a frivolous doesn't think doesn't become any more frivolous if we laugh at it. So, so laughing at serious things is not stupid. It's it's actually very good for our mental health. I always move on to the idea of spirit, so body, mind, and spirit, and I ask everyone bluntly: Do you believe in God? Yes. You do. And can you tell us any interactions you've had with religion or God himself or herself or spiritual matters? Or uh, I think that's going to be tricky because talking about God is quite a hard well, we thing to do. We could talk about, what about stories? Do you think there are Bible stories? <laughs> well, there's some funny uh, well, stories there. Yeah? <laughs> I think there are plenty of good stories. I think what I would say is that people uh, look at the Bible not as... Uh, um, the truth but as a bunch of stories and and lo a lot of times when the bible was written people believed in stories and i believe that we still think in stories which are about agency and purpose they may not be a factual account mm. but they do help us sort of picture and understand meaning um the, what i would say is a lot of the the people who disbelieve in god they see god as a thing that i i wouldn't believe in most of your fellow comedians yes the the, the god is a god is an, a, a man he's a bit like father christmas mm. but less pleasant mm. uh and it's come down as that's how god is implied dawkins described richard yeah. dawkins likes to describe him as this male yes occasionally interventionist god yeah and i don't i don't see the world like that probably because i don't see a mechanistic universe mm. uh was it einstein who said is god a, an improviser Something like that. Um, well, I know Voltaire said God is a comedian playing to an audience too afraid to laugh. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't picture God as a, as a human, as a mm. man. Uh, I don't even know what the picture would mm. be. I, I, can't, I, I can't, just can't see how things could start without some force. A lot of people with whom I interact see only the bad sides of what, of, of what God seems to have done, which is all the terrible things that religious organisations and uh, individuals in the name of religion have done. I know many people who've done wonderful things in the name of religion, charity, mm. 
dealing with homelessness, uh, fighting for civil rights. These are the things that I would say would, say would be a, a good aspect of somebody who believes. Nevertheless, you don't have to be a, a believer to follow that code, which is, we have, it, it, I, I think I'm interested more in the now, people. So I, I'm, I'm a humanist who does believe in God. So I believe in, we're all equal. Mm. And uh, I can't imagine uh, a world because I've, I've believed in God for a, a long time. So I don't, I can't imagine not. And sometimes people, there's a category error when I studied philosophy between science and religion or faith. You, they're not comparable. You can believe in science and you can believe in God. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get a test tube of God and test it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just wrong. Now, when I read about quantum mechanics and uncertainty and energy levels in electrons where we don't know, we just don't know, we're talking in pictures, we're talking in metaphors, we're talking in stories, then I begin to think that's closer to a spirituality with which I would identify, which is the very essence of how not to know and how to enjoy or at least feel comfort in ambiguity and uncertainty. What about a frequently cited definition of God? God is love. Would you relate to that? (laughs) Uh, I I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Okay. Because love is equally intangible. You can only see its result. Mm. You can't see it in action, as it were. You can't see love alighting on 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 a tree and saying, I am love. I can see and feel the love I have and get from others. The, the, the love I have for my children is extremely tangible, but I can't draw your diagram. I can't measure it. I can't bottle it. Uh, I certainly can't show you a matrix of what it is, but I know it's there. I want a randomised controlled clinical <laughs> trial proving it's there. Well, yes, you... you uh, you're obviously a critic of part of our mechanistic world, uh, which has got come <laughs> down from, from medicines and, and so on and so forth. Nevertheless, uh, I, I do want my drugs to be tested on occasion if yes. I don't want to know the side effects. On the other hand, I, if you're in territory about love and spirituality, how can I possibly compare the two? Uh, what one is about something that is intangible and unmeasurable in some respects, unknowable. And uh, what did I... I found a tweet the other day, which is... uh, Was it Voltaire who said that uh, uh, that doubt is uncomfortable, but certainty is dangerous? Mm. Something like that. Uh, And there was a man... I can't remember. It was Tony Height, I think, or something like that. He said, I want to be in a... uh, Vote for a political party who say, we don't really know all the answers. (laughs) And that's the party I want to vote for, which is... Certainty is a dangerous thing. If I know, if I know the way things mm. are to be done, I'm going to start overruling other people's points of view. It's interesting that you said that, actually, that I had a problem with a secretarial service that I use, and I wrote to them an email and said there's a problem, and she wrote back profusely apologizing, and, but she used the phrase, we don't claim to be perfect. I thought, you know what, you know, my, all my anger went away. <laughs> <laughs> Are You Feeling Funny is a Snipper Nixon production. The comedy consultant is the legendary Arnold Brown. The series producers are Luke and Alan Nixon, with music from George Montague, audio recorded by Alex Hollingsworth, and the series editor was Luke Nixon. But more importantly, the back-breaking vocal work you are hearing now is done by me, Olivia Nixon. You can find loads more stuff from us to listen to and read at snippernixon.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.